0: Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life changing message. What are you doing today? Hey, anyone still digesting some some turkey? You don't know, tell anyone else, or is it just me? I, I'll tell you what, the, the camera team's lucky because I think I'm going to move a little slower today. I usually move around like crazy, but. Uh, Still got some turkey in there. So speaking of the camera team, hey, can we give it up for the uh, everyone watching online, family? Can we welcome everyone watching online? We love you guys. We love you guys. Come on, round of applause. I'm excited, like Pastor Chris said, to uh, continue our series Sandcastles today. Um, But before I get into the message, I really want to do this. I want to honor our lead pastors, Pastor Chris and Pastor Vanessa. So can you do me a favor, stand up and give a wild applause for our incredible lead pastors. So they're the best. Come on, give it up. I know y'all could do louder than that. Come on. I know you love your lead pastors, and and they love you. They're awesome. You guys can go ahead and and be seated. Um, man, I, I I I've been serving directly under Pastor Chris, I think, for the past nine, ten years, and uh, I wouldn't rather work for anyone else or with anyone else. I love you, bro, and. Uh, I said this first service, but I really do believe that what you have in your life and what God is doing through you and in you is going to change the world. I believe God is going to use this house, this church, to change the world. I know, y'all still sleepy from the turkeys, some crazy faith-type talk, but I really do believe in it, and I think what we've been experiencing the last few weeks, hasn't it been powerful? I think it's just the beginning of what God is wanting to do. So one more time, can you give it up for your lead pastors? Aren't they incredible? And listen, if you don't like the message, he's preaching next week, and he's better than me, so come back next week if you're a visitor. Cool? All right. All right. I'm excited to get into it today. Uh, the, The title of the message, if you're taking notes, is Detailed or Disengaged. Are you building your life detailed or disengaged? Last week, Pastor Chris talked about what you're building, right? Anyone remember? You're building either a cathedral for God or a castle for yourself. He talked about the what. Today, I want to talk about the how. Are you building detailed with God or are you building disengaged from God? I love what he said last week is whether you like it or not, you're building and that's the truth. You're building something, whether you like it or not, and the what is either a cathedral for God or a castle for yourself, or, and I believe, um, excuse me, I believe that you're also building in a way. You're building in a how. You're building detailed or disengaged, and what I believe, what I love about this series is I believe week after week, walls are coming down. I believe God is, is building inside of us, and God is building with us, and And uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about how you're building. If you can stand to your feet with me as we read the word, family, I promise the last time you'll stand. Cool? All right. And we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 40. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to skip to verse 30 uh, through 33. So that way we didn't have to read all of Exodus 40. We would have left at like 1 o'clock. You're welcome. Just kidding. But, yeah, that's truth. Okay, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the month. Place the Ark of the Covenant Law in it and shield the Ark with the curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Verse 5. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the Ark of the Covenant Law and put the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle. Now we're going to jump to verse 30. It says, "He he, Moses, placed the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. Verse 32, they washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Verse 33, then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Let's pray, family. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for every person in the room. They're not here by accident. God, I pray that you just begin to open hearts and minds and you begin to speak. I pray, Lord, that you would increase and I would decrease. God, I pray um, that we would begin to build our lives in a way that's detailed, with you and not disengaged. I pray we build our temple, the temple inside of us, detailed with you and not disengaged from you. God, I pray that in all of this, you get all the glory, all the honor. In Jesus' name, Thrive said, Amen. 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 You may be seated, family. And I love this passage. So, what Moses is doing, and the reason I didn't make you read Every single part of Exodus 40 is because essentially what Moses is doing is he's building the tabernacle that's going to host the presence of God, and God gives him very detailed instructions on what to build and how to build. We started from when he starts giving him instructions, and literally all the way to verse 30, he's giving him instructions on exactly what to build. And one of the things I believe this shows is that God cares about details. Did you know that? Do you know that God cares about the details of your life? God cares about the very minute, small details of your life. God cares about every little detail. You know, the Bible says that he knows uh, the hairs on your head. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. Some of you, that's zero. Just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) We know that one, too. But God knows and cares about the minute details of your life. God is a God of detail. And, and, and what I love about it is, is God is a God of detail, and we need to follow detail whether we like it or not. If you don't know, I'm probably the least detailed pastor on staff, so it's funny that I got this passage, but the Lord is working in me. You can ask my wife. She'll tell you. She'll tell you the truth. I wake up in the morning. If she's awake, I'm like, babe, this look good. Okay, cool. Throw it on. Pastor Chris's brother, Alex, lives with us. He, he irons his clothes for like 45 minutes a day. I don't decide what I'm going to wear until like two minutes before I leave. Like, like I am not detailed naturally. But what I love about God is, is we don't just get to say, oh, I'm just not what you are, God. I believe God challenged us, and I believe this, this scripture, this passage has challenged me to understand, and again, not the close thing, but in my life to be detailed, to be specific. Yeah. Yeah. In this passage, God gives Moses 12 very specific instructions on how the tabernacle is to be built. He's very specific. Anyone have, a, anyone have a father who's very specific on how you're to do things, or is it just me? Anyone else? Come on, it's Thanksgiving. You got around the family. Maybe you brought back some old memories. You know what I'm talking about? Any, anyone have a dad who made you hold the flashlight under the car, like exactly under the car, in the right way? You know what I'm talking about, sons. You know what I'm talking about, right? And like, you're holding it, and, and it's like to all the sons out there, right, to that, that had to hold it in the exact right spot just for dad not to be able to fix the car. Like, does dad know what he's looking at? No. Will he ever fix it? No. Is it your fault? Yes. I'm like, dad, why are we doing this? You don't know nothing about car. You don't like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, but, but thankfully, the Lord knows what he's talking about. But God is detailed, like that father who, who makes you hold the flashlight in just the right spot. God is a God of details. He's not disengaged from us, so we aren't to be disengaged from him. See, everything God does is demonstration for how we're to set up our lives. God is detailed. We're called to be detailed. And here's the thing I think is, is, is important for us to understand. Catch this. It doesn't matter if we understand the why. It doesn't matter if the why makes sense to you and I. The question is, do you trust the who? I have a three-year-old daughter. Anyone have a toddler or remember the toddler phase? Their favorite question in the world is one word, why? Why? Why, dad? Why, daddy? Babe, go do this. Why? Why, Daddy? Why? Why? I I, I have heard why. I'm not kidding. Three years. And like since she talked, my daughter talked from like one years old. Pray for me. But she did. I've heard why like countless times in my life. The why, the why, the why. I believe oftentimes so many of us are like that with God. Well, why, God? We won't trust him unless the why makes sense. But I believe we need to grow to a place of spiritual maturity where we trust God because of who he is and not why. Because God knows the why. Anyone, yeah, come on, you can praise him. Anyone who has a toddler knows why you tell them not to touch the stove. The toddler doesn't know why not to touch the stove. And so they think you're just giving them some mean rules. And I love about God, too, is he does give us free will. So sometimes we touch the stove. And as parents, you ever been like, I'm going to be like God and give him free will and just let him touch the stove, see what happens. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been tempted a time or two to be like, hey, touch the stove, babe, go ahead. I t- you asked why four times, go ahead. Why don't you find out today? You're going to learn, you know. But <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding. Don't call CPS, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the why doesn't matter if you trust the who. Yeah. Jesus says this, if someone hits you, turn the other cheek. Ah, oh, Jesus, that doesn't make sense. Ah. Someone hits me, turn the other cheek. They're just going to keep hitting me until you realize that you and I are the ones that put Jesus on the cross. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. See, we don't, we don't, we don't want to forgive until we need to be forgiven. Jesus says forgive 70 times 7. You know, he tells us to forgive 70 times 7. We're like, Jesus, I don't want to do that. My coworkers are crazy. I'm done with them. I want to cut them off. Done. That's a lot. I don't want to do that until you realize that you need to be forgiven 70 times 7 we love to 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 ask the why until god reveals the why is because it's actually for our good see it's actually his grace moses built that tabernacle exactly how god instructed and it probably didn't make sense it probably was super boring. He's like, set the table here, set the posts here, set the altar here. Did, like, like God gave him specific instructions, and he was probably bored. Anyone know what I'm talking about who's like ever built like anything? Like you build an Ikea table, and you're like, this is horrible. There's so many. Why is there so many instructions, right? Like he's doing every little detail. He probably didn't know why, but Moses knew something about God see Moses knew something about God that I think the rest of Israel may not have known I think Moses had learned something about God by this time by this moment this is Exodus chapter 40 God first spoke to Moses in Exodus chapter three in the burning bush what the reason Moses trusted who instead of why is because he has been delivered is because Moses God, Moses knew the God who delivered him from slavery Moses knew the God that delivered him from death when all of of Egypt was chasing him. Moses knew the God that parted the sea. So the details, when God tells me to do something, I'm going to obey, not because I understand the why, but because I know the who. See, I believe, come on, you can praise it. I believe some of us, God has saved us from our past. And and instead of maturing and trusting the who, we still need to know the why. Can you graduate to, to, to big boy Christianity where you trust the who, even if the why doesn't make sense? Even if it doesn't feel good to trust God. Even if it costs you a relationship. Even if it costs you a friend. Even if it might cost you your job to tell the truth. Can I tell you something? Can you trust God to the capacity where you trust the who instead of the why? Because it wasn't the why or the what. It wasn't the staff when Moses hit, hit the ground that split the sea. It was the who. It doesn't matter what was in his hand, it mattered who was gonna split the sea. Yeah. See, we focus on all the wrong things sometimes. I believe God wants to shift our perspective from why God or what God to okay, you say so, I'll do it. Yeah. Moses realized something. <laughs> I'm gonna trust the same God. See, at the beginning, Moses didn't know God, so he questioned God. God appears to Moses in the burning bush, and he says, hey, who are you even? He says, who are you? Moses questioned God. But by this time, Exodus 40, when God gave Moses a command, he said, yes, sir. He said, I'll do it. Moses learned to trust. See, the reality is we all prioritize details in our life. The truth is you only prioritize the details you care about. I'm going to say that because I think, I'm going to say again. I think the reality is we all prioritize details in our life, whether you like it or not. The truth is you only prioritize the details that you care about. You prioritize the thing that you care the most about. You make time, you make space, you take effort, you spend money on the things that you prioritize. Uh, like I said, my, we have a three-year-old daughter, my wife and I, and, and my wife is about eight months pregnant. Beautiful. Love you. She's incredible. We're having another baby girl. Pray for us. I'm going to have two baby girls. And if you know my first baby girl, her name is Kinsley. And I think the best way to say it is she is bold. (laughs) That's a good word. Last time I said crazy. This time I'm saying bold. (laughs) She is bold. My wife and I have this conversation where we say, babe, she's going to change the world. Let's just make sure it's in a good way. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Like we have one of those kids. We have a world changer. Just let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us. Help her. You know what I'm saying? And, and so, so um, we're getting, we're having another baby in about a month. And so we're getting the room ready. And Lord, also help us because Kinsley is still in our bed. Oh. Pray for us. It's going to be a season. We're going to need her up out of that bed. And we're thinking, because the new baby is coming, we got Kinsley a big girl bed, and we got Shiloh is our next baby. She's going to take the crib. and We're thinking, because Shiloh's in there, Kinsley's going to want to be in there, because she's so excited about being a big sister. We're like, oh, this is going to do it. She's going to move. She's going to make the jump. And so we're excited. We're, we're preparing the room. We got it all ready, and we got Kinsley a big girl bed, and she's got the, the bed with all the princesses, and she can name them all. You ever come over, ask her to name them. She'll name them all. It's crazy. And um, and she's so excited. My wife is so excited. She loves the room. My wife is like, she's so excited that we had two girls. She won't tell you. I'll tell you. She's so excited we had two girls because she grew up with brothers. And so she's like, I just, all oh, the girls. I'm like, oh. I grew up with a sister. It's all right. I got a nephew. It's cool. We're cool. All right. I, uh, no, I don't know where I was going with that. Okay. Lock in. Here we go. That's all right. Um, so we're setting up the room. My wife is so excited. Oh, that—that's where I was going. My wife is so excited, and she's setting it up exactly how she likes it. And and we got the bed, and she sets the bed up, and she says, "Hey, babe, got the bed right here. How does it look?" And like any good husband, I said, "It looks phenomenal, <laughs> great, right there. I knew, I knew, right there, perfect." You know, you know what I'm talking about? She goes, and she goes, "Nah, let's move it." She goes, we literally moved it like three feet. She goes, "What do you think?" I said, "It, babe, you were right. You're right." <laughs> perfect you know like that's it that's the spot right there and she, she goes nah I like, we like re-shifted again not just three feet this time it's like we're redecorating the whole room and, and I go she goes right there and I'm like babe you were so I don't know what you did I don't know who you know that's perfect she goes nah I said find your mom I'm out I'm done right it's a silly story, but it's, it's true. My wife prioritized the details of the room. She's like, what's the sight lines? Like, she cares about the details of the room, and so it's something she prioritizes the minute details about. I, me, I don't care as long as the windows lock and the girls are safe. I'm cool. They could build bunk beds. I don't care what it looks like. My wife prioritizes it because she cares about it. Can I tell you that in your life, you will prioritize what you care about? Can I tell you that if you don't prioritize the presence of God in your life, nobody will do it for you? Can I tell you Pastor Chris can preach a fire message, but he cannot prioritize God in your life? He cannot come home with you on Monday and say, hey, 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 are you prioritizing God in your life? You are the only one who can make God important in your life. You're the only one who can put God in his rightful place, which is first. You're the only one who can set the details of your life up in a way that honors God first. See, Moses was a busy guy, I'm sure. He had a bunch of people to lead and they were rebellious. But Moses prioritized the presence of God first and foremost. And second, he prioritized obedience. He prioritized his yes to God over his personal gain. You know how long he, he was building and he could have built like an in and out but he built a tabernacle? You know what I'm talking about? He could have. That was a joke. It's cool. Okay. <laughs> he could have built for his personal gain, but he built for the presence. He built for the place where he could have a relationship with God. He prioritized the spiritual direction of Israel over the cares of the world. Some of us prioritize everything about our family except for the spiritual direction of our family. Can I tell you that maybe we need to, instead of prioritizing every little detail about our family, except the presence, we need to prioritize first the presence. I think we sometimes have a bad habit in American Christianity of detailing our life around things and then trying to fit God in at the very end. We do a very good job of saying, I'm too busy for that God. When God was on the cross saying, I'll give you my everything. We prioritize the things that we cared about. Let me give you some practical examples that might sting a little bit, okay? But it stung me first. It's cool. I love you still. When you work 65 hours a week instead of being home with your kids, you're prioritizing some details. You're prioritizing maybe money, you're prioritizing what your boss thinks about you more than what your kids think about you. When you stay at home and watch the game, instead of getting a thrive group, you're prioritizing that detail of your life. And I get it. I love the Niners, I love the Warriors, and I just want to take this moment to say, all you Raider fans, just kidding, just kidding. I'm not going to go there. Not going to go there. Rough season, okay. Next year, okay, just kidding. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Didn't do that first service, I don't know. Someone came over me, okay. When you prioritize the game, instead of getting in a Thrive Group, you're prioritizing that detail of your life. You're prioritizing what matters. When young people, when you go on Instagram for four hours a day, but don't have time to read your Bible, you're prioritizing that detail of your life. When you, when you binge watch Netflix but don't have a prayer life, you're prioritizing that detail of your life. When you're spending time doing everything else and then saying, I don't have time with God, it's not because you have a different 24 hours than somebody else. It's because your priorities don't line up with God's priorities. Yeah, when you, when, when you want to see your neighbor reach for the kingdom, I think this is a big one. But you never invite them over for dinner. You're prioritizing your comfort over their salvation. Moses' primary priority was the presence of God. So he set his life up in a way where he built in obedience. He built detailed and not disengaged. I want to ask today, are you building your life detailed or are you letting life just pass you by? Are you building your life detailed or are you building your life disengaged? And I'm not talking about just ordering your calendar and your life, but is the detail of your life point back to God? Is the priority of, of your life to point back to the presence of God? That is what I believe God wants us to get to. And what I love about God is is he desires to make it simple. You know that God doesn't want you and I to have to jump through a bunch of hoops? Thank you, Lord. Because how many know detailed? I think a lot of times we use the word detailed. If you're anything like me and you're not organized naturally, we think detailed means complicated and we don't like it. But can I tell you something I've learned? The Lord has really spoke to me as I was praying and preparing this message. Detailed doesn't mean complicated. Detailed actually makes your life easier. Detailed actually makes following God easier. Detailed, let me give you an example. When my wife and I got married six years ago, we hired a wedding coordinator and that lady was the most detailed, organized lady I've ever seen in my entire life. She had every single second of our wedding down to the second of what we were gonna do, when we were gonna do it, how we were gonna do it. And can I tell you, it didn't make my life harder, it made my life easier because I knew where to go, when to do it, why to do it, and how to do it. You know what I'm saying? That is what God will do. The reason he gives us instructions and details in our life is not so he's just a mean person telling us not to do this and to do this and not to do this, but it's actually because he knows you and he created you, and it's actually for your benefit and your good. The reason that God sets out details for your life and how you are to live is not to be mean. It's actually to help you. It's actually to guide you. Any parents, you know what I'm talking about. The reason you tell your kids to do what to do is because you know what will help them and what will hurt them. You've experienced something that will hurt them, and so you guide them the right way. Can I tell you how much better is our Father who created us, who perfected us, who knows us, there's things the Father knows about you that no one else knows, cannot tell you. He details your life for a reason. Yes. It's not mean. It's grace. It's goodness. Yeah. It's goodness to have a detailed life. Holy. It's religion when your life is detailed around the wrong things, though. It's religion when your life is detailed around how other people think you look going to church rather than prioritizing the presence. When you prioritize the presence, you don't care what it looks like. You know Mary, from the story Martha and Mary? She don't care what it looked like. She's wiping Jesus' feet. But she prioritized presence over outward appearance. See, God doesn't want us to jump through hoops. He actually wants to make your life simpler. Following details and instructions makes your life simpler. It's like if you would have just followed the directions when you're building that IKEA table, you wouldn't have to take it apart and rebuild it. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) That's kind of what it's like. When God tells you to do something, and we're hard-headed because we're humans, and we don't do it, and then we have to, oh, man, Lord... I have to rebuild that now. Yep, yep, you do. But here, I'll still help you. He comes in, I'll still help you rebuild. I'll I'll help you take apart what you shouldn't have built, and I'll help you build what you need to build. See, what I love about God is he doesn't just leave us with a messed up table, but he's willing to say, hey, son, daughter, let me help you take that apart, and let's set this up in the right details. Because no matter what you've been through or what you're currently going through, you can thrive, and you can't just, it's not just about surviving, but you can thrive, and you can actually live a fruitful kingdom life if you set your life up in the details that God has called you to. Come on, you could praise him. God loves you so much, he wants your life easier. See, I believe simple obedience is my next point. Simple obedience is great faith. We we think of the the highlight reel moments. I think it's just the culture that we live in. You know what I'm talking about? Like ESPN highlights or Instagram reels or TikToks. and, And we want the moments of... Boom, great faith. We want the, the alley-oop dunk. Bro, your team lost by 30. Like you, but you got an alley-oop dunk. You know what I'm talking about? Like we, we, we want the highlight moments. But simple obedience in the kingdom is actually what great faith looks like. See, what God called Moses to do wasn't incredibly hard. He just called him to build. He called him to set it up. He called him to do it. But, but it did take dedicated obedience. It wasn't hard labor, but it took dedicated obedience. It took a yes every day. It probably wasn't what Moses wanted to do in the moment, but it took a yes every day because Moses understood that he prioritized presence. See, in Exodus 40, God gives Moses the instructions, and it says, Moses did as the Lord commanded. It says that eight times in Exodus 40. I don't know about you, that's a lot of times. As I was reading, I was like, Lord, why did you just say this every single verse? Why couldn't you have just waited until the end and then said, and Moses did all the Lord commanded? God stopped. See, everything in the Bible is in there for a reason. Every verse and said, and Moses did as the Lord commanded. 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 commanded. It's because God was recognizing the obedience to the details that God had laid out. It's because God sees your yes every single day. A lot of us think that God doesn't see our yes when we pick up our Bible on a Monday morning and pray. A lot of us think that God doesn't see us or hear us when we pray. But God, this shows us that God sees our yes and sees our obedience and not just sees it, but acknowledges it. Come on, you can praise him. God acknowledges a simple yes. There's a phrase that's, that's often attached to great moments of faith in the Bible. It says this, and he did all that the Lord commanded him. Yeah. See it here in Exodus 40. We see it in, no- in Genesis 6 as Noah's building the ark. It says, and Noah did as the Lord commanded him. We see it in Joshua 11 when, when God gives Joshua military commands. It says, and Joshua did as the Lord commanded we see it in Acts 1 when Jesus says to the apostles, Go and wait in Jerusalem. He commanded them to go and wait in Jerusalem and then you will receive the Holy Spirit. They do it. In Acts 2, they receive Holy Spirit because they did what Jesus commanded them. It's simple obedience and they did what the Lord commanded. It's not a, see, we look at Acts 2, we're like, I want that. And I just want to speak in tongues and yell in tongues. And I, we believe in tongues, it's true. But can I tell you something? It's the simple obedience that preceded it. It was the yes to Jesus to say, I will wait where you tell me to wait preceded the the, the great miracle, the great outpouring. It's simple obedience that precedes great moments of faith. We want just to live in the great moments of faith in the mountaintops and not trust him in the valley. Simple phrase precedes great moments of faith and he did all that the Lord commanded. One of the things that really spoke to me as I was writing this and reading and studying is is I found myself asking this question, can the Lord say that about me? And I want to extend that question to you. Could, could the Lord look at your life? And he said, and he did, and Matt did, and he did, and she did all that the Lord commanded him. Wow. See, I, I want to introspect, and I, I, Pastor Chris talked about that. I love his honesty and transparency as our lead pastor last week. He was talking about how he asked God, does my life please you? Does my life look like a God please you? I think we're to, I think God is calling us in this season to look inwardly and say, God, am I building what you've called me to build? God, does my life please you? God, am I obedient to you in every area and not the areas that I please? God, am I obedient to you in everything and not just the things that are comfortable for me? God, am I obedient to you in everything? Like, would God say that, 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 that he or she is obedient in everything or just some things? Because I believe that's the uh, spiritual maturity that God wants us to get. We want big faith moments, but not everyday obedience. Right. We want the Holy Spirit goosebumps on Sunday, but we don't want the Holy Spirit dedication on Monday. Right. <laughs> we want to ride the roller coaster of emotionalism, but not the cross of commitment. We, we, we want to feel something, but when it causes us to feel something that we don't like to pick up our cross and die to ourselves daily, we don't want that anymore. We want to see God do miracles, but we don't want to get in our prayer closet and ask him for one. We don't want to to put in the work to actually meet with God. We we, we just want him to do it for us and us to stay disengaged. That's what the rest of Israel did while Moses went up to Mount Sinai. They disengaged, but Moses did not. Moses was detailed. We want to see our neighbor get saved, but we don't invite him over. We so highlight the great faith, but great faith is simple obedience. You want to live a life of great faith? Say yes every day. Every day. You want to live a life of radical faith go home love your wife love your kids love your husband love your family love your church get in a group read your bible tell your neighbor about jesus love your neighbor as yourself it's simple the gospel actually in our actuality is simple it's not easy but it's simple See, there's a difference between doing something that's simple and something that's easy. The gospel is simple. God gives us detailed instructions on how to be dedicated and how to follow him. It's not easy because your flesh wants to do something else, but it is simple. Say yes every day. Say yes when you're at the altar weeping and you feel it, and say yes when you don't feel it. Say yes when you feel it, read your word when you feel it, and read your word when you don't feel it say yes every day. love your kids when you feel it and love your kids when you don't because lord knows sometimes you don't feel it you know what i'm talking about i'm just kidding again don't call cps this is this is bad it's going not well for me it's my daughter i love her love your spouse when you feel it love your spouse when you don't say yes every day that's radical faith is simple obedience why did god choose moses to lead israel does anyone know it's it's, it's not because of his gifting Because Moses said himself, when God called him, he said, but I stutter, I can't speak. I cannot lead these people. But what Moses did say was yes. There's a lot of us that disqualify ourselves because we look at our giftings and compare them to someone else and say, God could never use me. But God did not use Moses because he was gifted. God used Moses because Moses simply said yes. God said, whatever, Moses said, whatever it looks like, I will build with you see I think a lot of us disqualify ourselves I think God wants to give you a dream again I think God wants to bring something back to life again you'll actually find that in the kingdom it works greater when you're less gifted because then he really gets all the glory come on you can praise him wasn't the gifting that led to his leadership it was the yes listen Noah didn't just one day jump in the boat and be like wow it's raining God there's going to be a flood Noah built every single day for years some scholars believe up to a hundred years he was building every day are you building with God or are you building against God are you building detailed or are you building disengaged is your life engaged with what God wants to do if Holy Spirit wants to tell you to pray for your co-worker will you listen will you know his voice if Holy Spirit wants wants to get your attention to, to share the gospel with your na- with your neighbor are you listening or are you disengaged This is my last point. And if you could throw up Exodus 40, 34 through 35, we're going to close the chapter here. It says this, then, someone say then. Then "Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of the meeting because the the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Can I tell you something? The details of your life point to the presence of God after Moses set up the temple how God instructed him to do it then someone say then then the cloud went I think it's important for us to catch up he sets up the details of his life and he sets up the details of the tabernacle how God instructed him to do then the cloud of glory came the cloud is synonymous with his presence then the presence of God came and filled the place Can I tell you, sometimes we wonder why we don't feel God like someone at the altar is feeling God, but it's because you don't set up your life in the way in obedience to Jesus. It's because as someone is speaking about God, they are in tune with what God is doing and you are disengaged. They are listening and the details of their heart are being shifted, but some of us are disengaged and wonder why we don't feel what they feel. It's not because they're special, but it's because they're engaged in what God is doing. It's the details. After Moses sets up his life, then the presence went. Some of us wonder, Pastor Matt, why don't I hear God anymore? It's been so long. I would ask you, it's simple. When's the last time you set aside an hour to pray? I'm talking not like you're praying and on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Sometimes I can't even pray with my phone as music. You know what I'm talking about? Because I'm like, I'm going to pull that phone out and look on Instagram. I'm going to check the score. So, uh, When's the last time you set aside an hour to pray? When's the last time you picked up your Bible? When's the last time you put on worship music instead of that crazy stuff you listened to? When's the last time you dedicated your life and set your life up in a way where the details aligned with the presence of God more than the details that you were comfortable with? Because here's the reality. and I really believe this is one of my life messages. I'm passionate about this. Here's the reality. There's something more at stake than just you. Can I tell you that your life might be the only presence of God that someone around you might see? Your life might be the only presence of God that the people around you will ever see. And you know what I'm talking about. That cousin, that co-worker, that friend that might never step into a church but might see you. The details of your life either point to him or point to me. They point to him or they point to you. Can I tell you the details of your life point to the presence of God? Because Moses built in obedience, not only did Moses witness and experience the presence of God in the cloud, but everybody around him did too. Everybody else saw what he saw. Everybody, Because of Moses' obedience, everybody else was able to walk through the sea as he split it. There's more at stake. I believe God is calling us to detail our lives in such a way that our kids and our grandkids and our kids' grandkids would begin to walk in identity and would begin to walk knowing Jesus because you set your life up in a way that honored God. I believe God wants us to think as a generational church. I believe God wants our grandchildren or our great-grandchildren or our great-great-grandchildren to know us because we simply said yes every day. Or to know him because we simply said yes every day. We overcomplicated it. I want to do this. If everyone can stand with me. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.